With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. Before we get started with tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things to talk to you about. First, Draft. Draft.com, Draft in your app store, a great way to play daily fantasy sports. They do the snake-style drafts just the way you like them. They do auction-style drafts now, and most importantly, the best ball drafts that are sweeping the nation. They have a $25 entry, million-dollar grand prize for football best balls going on, but they have PGA, MLB, NFL and so much more NBA and if you're new to draft use promo code SD sports SD as in dog sports get a free three dollar entry into any tournament of your choice it could be an auction a bet a best ball a snake draft you name it they got it three dollar free entry first time deposit using promo code SD sports another great site to play fantasy on is thrive fantasy check them out in your app store at thrive fantasy when you use promo code SD sports you get a free ten dollars when you deposit $10 or more for the first time, it is awesome. They just introduced PGA into the mix. They have all sports, MLB, NFL, NBA. It's cool. It's prop-style bets. You pick 10 props that you like out of the list of props, and they're, they're graded differently on plus-minuses. And if uh, you pick two ice bets, and if you have the best score, you win. It's simple as that. So deposit at Thrive Fantasy. First deposit of $10. Get a free $10 at Thrive Fantasy by using promo code SD Sports. Also, if you can give a rating and review on iTunes, I'd really, really appreciate it. It would help the podcast out and mean a ton to me. It's under Bench with Bubba on iTunes, where you're listening to this podcast, most likely, or other listening avenues. Welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 189 with Scott Jenstead of Rotowire, talking week 16 fab, second half fantasy strategies, and much, much more. back everybody to another episode of benched with bubba episode 189 uh special guest recurring guest to the podcast tonight to talk about some recent fantasy baseball news and the week that was in, in the fab market tgfbi nfbc all that great stuff you can find them over at rotowire.com and on twitter at scott jenstead scott how we doing man good man how are you it's uh, i appreciate you having me on it's uh, good to jump on again i had fun last time i'm looking forward to talking some baseball with you Yep, always enjoy the uh, the Twitter interactions are between the DMs <laughs> and talking golf and uh, all the other good stuff and listen to your guys' show. So nice, good to good to good to chat with you. Uh, uh, just talking some baseball, always fun because football, sadly as it may be, is just around the corner. But uh, I know you're getting I'm, cranked uh, up for that as well. I I am. I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to avoid as much as I can, but uh, I'm getting sucked in a little bit. That's true. I'm doing uh I'm doing the the Rotowire uh, Friday football podcast, so we're starting up this week. So I have to uh, got to jump in with both feet a little bit this week, but I'm, I'm still fully in baseball mode. Yep, I'm 100 percent with you. I, I did my first uh, bench with Bubba football last Wednesday, and it took every ounce of me to to uh, <laughs> to do that one. I was like re- like kicking and screaming like a little kid, not wanting to do that. It's baseball, baseball, baseball. So I totally feel you there. Yeah, let's let's talk Oakland A's. Let's kick it off right with it. Homer Bailey is traded to the Oakland A's. 
What's your take on this? As an ace guy, Homer Bailey's been good. He's been serviceable. What's your thoughts on this deal, especially with the fantasy impact? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll hit it from the A's side first. You know, it's one of those things, I mean, they need starting pitching. It's it's, it's pretty clear with uh, Jesus Lazardo pretty much done. I don't think he's going to make any starts this year. You know, they're going to be careful with him and maybe some things out of the pen, but he was kind of the big arm they're going to have after the break, and he he had the uh, the lat strain. And then uh, Sean Mania looked uh, looked poor over the weekend. Um, A.J. Puck's going to come back only as a reliever. So they, I mean, they're just hurting for innings in, in the in the rotation. They're, they're getting some good ones from unexpected sources. You know, Mike Fires has been really good. Brett Anderson, surprisingly, has actually been pretty good, but – um, I don't know if, if I, Bailey's anything more than eating five innings. I mean, he's got a four eight ERA. Last year was a, a six point six point oh nine ERA in one hundred six innings. I just I don't see a lot here. The only hope I have, really, you know, ugly hard hit rate is just the fact that the A's tend to do well with kind of fringy arms. You don't expect it to. Uh, obviously, you know, pitching in a good park, really good defense behind him. infield defense has you know three really good guys, and uh, you know Profar can play a little bit, but uh, the arm is a little suspect. But same with Barreto. So. Uh, but short third and uh, and first base, you got potential gold gloves. I, uh, I just, I'm not too optimistic about it, but maybe he can get through five innings, give three or four runs, and hope the offense hooks him up. But uh, not something I was really excited about. Yeah, it really surprised me. I was, uh, I was actually playing golf, and I had Bailey in my DFS lineup, and I got the update that he's pulled. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, what is going on here? So I take him out real quick, and then the next thing I see is A's acquire Homer Bailey. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, that's kind of strange out of nowhere. And reports said it, like, escalated really quickly. Like, they talk, boom, boom, done. Um, the, the thing I could see is you mentioned the ace find ways between the defense, the ballpark. Like, look at Mike Fires this year. He's been outstanding. He was pretty good last year, too. Yep. And you see little things like that. Bailey, to me, like, by no means is he just kind of an everyday option. But streamable, for sure. Like, if you get one of those two-star weeks at home, I, I think he's worth a dart. But – I guess time will tell because it is Homer Bailey after all. I mean, it's in the name. It's Homer. So <laughs> it is. It's, it's, uh, it's there. Not a good name for a pitcher. Yeah, I'm kind of the same, right? In like a 15-team league, I think he's streamable. Maybe in a 12 or if he's got two really good home starts. But in a 15-teamer, you know, if he's home against Seattle or something like that, uh, you, know, you get a good matchup home. You might see throwing him out there as kind of your ninth guy. But uh, not someone I'm looking to pick up and you know, kind of hold on the roster thinking we're going to get a, a bunch of good starts on the stretch. The last five have been pretty good if you want to kind of play with you know sample sizes a bit. But uh He's still Homer Bailey. He still had six and a half uh, strikeouts per nine last year in a six ERA. So uh, I'm I'm hesitant to get too excited. Yep, hundred percent with you there. Uh, another one that's hesitant to get many people excited because he's going. He's staying in the NL, the AL East, yeah. but he's going to Boston, and those going to be some pretty high intense baseball games in September in Boston. And Andrew Kashner is now a Boston Red Sox. Do you have any uh, any interest in an Andrew Kashner in fantasy? Uh, I don't. I know a lot of people have written about him the last couple of weeks, how hot he's been. I think it's going to be a disaster in Boston. Um, since June 1st, 1.41 ERA looks really good, looks really shiny, 32 innings, uh, only 18 strikeouts. The bad in that stretch is 198, which is beyond absurd for a guy like Kashner. You know, strikeouts are 6.2 per nine right now. The swing strikeout is up a little bit, but, you know, overall, this does uh, very little for me. Gives up a lot of hard contact. Uh, I think it's going to be a mess in Boston. Yep, 100% with you. One thing I'll say, and yes, he's been okay. He's been serviceable, but it's also a lot easier to, to pitch when you have nothing to pitch for, basically. Yeah. Now, you get, now you're going to be – everything's on the line in Boston. Think about a, a Sunday night baseball game in the Bronx. That's going to be disgusting. So, um, yeah, I'm with and, you there. He's, and he's, for a team that for a team that's on the edge of the playoffs right now, like they're not cruising they're not into the in. division. Yeah, they're they're out of it right now. They need to win a lot of games. Uh, yeah, if he doesn't work right away, that uh, that'll get pretty ugly pretty fast. Those will be some, like you said, some high intensity innings, and uh, I uh, I want no part of it. I'm not picking him up. I'm not uh, I'm not grabbing him anywhere. I'm uh, I'm letting somebody else deal with that in Fenway. Yeah, like you said, a team that's on the cusp, it's not even in a team that's yeah. expected to be in a team the defending champions. Um, it's pretty crazy to see how they've just tiptoed through this whole season between their bullpen. They need starting pitching, and they're like, nope, we're not spending any money. Not like we haven't made any, but we're not spending it. It's it's pretty frustrating if I was a Red Sox fan, to be totally honest with it. That's uh, it's pretty odd. Yeah, I guess they've had, they've had so much good lately that they, they probably get a pass. But it's just uh, – I don't know if they're trying to get under the luxury tax for a year or something like that. But it's uh, it's been a weird year in Boston between the you know, the Kimbrel stuff and not signing a closer. And now it's going to be Nate Evaldi, apparently. Sources say he's going to be back in a week. It's just uh, – it's been a weird season in Boston for a team, like you said, that has a ton of cash. You just mentioned Evaldi there, and I asked, uh, I asked someone last week on the show about him, but – He's going to be coming back there pretty soon. Like, what's your interest level? I know saves are at premium, especially in deep leagues. But what's your interest level with Eovaldi? Because it's a guy we've never seen do it. And there's always that phrase, you know, it takes a certain type of guy to close. We don't know if he's that guy. 
So how aggressive would you be if he's still somehow available on the wire? You know, I, I hate to say it, but I do kind of like it. He feels to me like a guy that always had that stuff, but just couldn't figure out as a starter how to strike guys out. I think that in one or two inning stints, he kind of showed it in the playoffs last year. I think him fully gassing it out, you know, he throws really hard. He throws, what, uh, you know, 95, 96, up to 97 last year. Um, I kind of think it's a good fit. I think it, uh, the mindset and the, the makeup, who knows we're going to get there. And like you said, you know, being in Boston, those are going to be some tough innings. But um, I kind of like the setup for him as a closer. I think he's got kind of the perfect arm for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there because if he can just go an inning, even two, he can maybe be one of those long relief guys. We we know he's yep. got the, the the stamina and just throw that gas. I think there is something like that we saw it in the playoffs. So definitely something there. Let's go to the New York Mets. Zach Wheeler, this one drops this afternoon. Goes yeah. on the IL with shoulder fatigue, and I saw a bunch of weird stats. Like there's only like Verlander, Scherzer, and I think one other top end pitcher that throw more pitches per start. Like all kinds of crazy stats. Now, there's two ways to look at this before I get your opinion. It's either they're going to rest him for a couple starts to not get hurt and trade him, or they really need some help here because something's not right. It's one of the two. He's supposed to be back here middle to end of next week, get a couple starts before the deadline. What's your level of concern here with Zach Wheeler? Uh, pretty concerned. I mean, you do make a good point that potentially they, they want to trade him and they're just trying to ease off him. But, uh, you know, if you want to trade a guy, bringing up uh, shoulder soreness and shoulder fatigue yeah. is not a good way to raise the market value. Frustrating from a fantasy perspective, though, because you have 4.7 ERA. Obviously, if you own him, you've thrown all 119 of those innings. I kind of felt like we were going to get a good stretch here at some point. You know, still has, a, you know, strikeouts are up from last year. The walks are a little bit down. I kind of felt like we were going to get a, a good five or six start stretch here. Now I feel like we're just stuck with a bad ERA. Yeah, I'm with you. It felt like any moment it was going to change. You know, Matt Modica's always putting awesome stats out. He mentions Wheeler a lot. And there's there's so many things to like. Like I mentioned, he throws all the innings and the pitches like some of these elite guys. His strikeout rate's there. It's just the other shoe hadn't dropped yet. You felt it was coming. Maybe it still will. Maybe that's just the rest he needs, which, like you said, you made a good point. If you're going to trade him, maybe you just skip a start. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't need to put him on the I.L., but uh or yeah. you know how about uh, how about some some calf soreness or a sore foot or something if it's uh, if it's not something with the shoulder that you, yeah. you don't just bring that up i just uh, i'm because anytime you get shoulder yeah. and any any guy like wheeler who's missed so much time in the past uh yeah i'm uh i'm uh, i'm pretty concerned yeah it'll be interesting and with with the one trade deadline only it'll some team's gonna have to take the gamble regardless yeah uh, i really i really like the one trade deadline i think it makes it a lot more fun yeah, it's going to get real dicey here real quick, and it's going to be – as a Giants fan, I could have a whole new team in about three weeks, especially pitching-wise. Or, or or they could add a couple pieces. You're, you're kind of hanging on the wild card now with the, yeah. the fact they score they score eight or ten runs every game or 17 as it was today. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of terrified of that because – I know, I, me too. <laughs> as much as I like the idea of continuing to compete, I'm also a realist, and like they really need to keep rebuilding. Like, don't they do? Don't push this off any longer. Yeah, but, I uh, think uh, I think having Farhan in the front office is is a big yep. thing. I think that he'll he he's pretty uh, pretty good at looking forward rather than just kind of you know the, the Bochi last year thing could uh, could impact yep. a little bit. I hope they don't do that. But uh, I, I would have traded Will Smith and maybe Bumgarner in the off season. So it'll be really interesting yep. to see if they're kind of on the outskirts of the wild card. But a lot of teams in between them if they if they stick it out or if they if they sell. Yeah, that's the thing is they say they're only like four or five games out, but how many teams they have to leapfrog, that's yep. quite the task. Yeah, it's a and, lot of teams. Uh, a lot of teams that have to not play great for you to pass them too. Yeah, and I wanted them to trade Bumgarner last deadline. Like I said, get as much yep. as you can for him, but we'll see. And I'm with you. Like you said, with Zahidi, I am a big fan of what he's done, and I believe in it. So it, it's unorthodox. It's something the Giants aren't used to, but I'm, I'm all for it. Well, that, that's what happens when you come uh, come steal some Oakland A's guys. <laughs> At least you said Oakland A's. Thank you. Don't don't say that other team from LA. That uh, no, they, he's from. he he's originally originally uh, groomed to the A's, so he, he's always an A's guy to me. Well, I, that works for me because I'm I'm always <laughs> I'm always smitten, as they say, for the young Oakland A's players, Chapman, Olson, and company. Like I just love those kids. Uh, so man, get Ch- some of that talent. Chapman's a special dude. He's amazing. Like there yeah. will be multiple MVPs in his future. There are definitely going to be coming. I, 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 I sure hope so because he uh, watching him play third base for as long as I can will be a special treat. The only shame with Matt Chapman was the fact his dad was trying to strike him out instead of throw home runs to him in the, in the derby. That was rough. Did, did you see that uh, pitching ninja had an overlay of like a, a fastball inside <laughs> and a slider away? It was it was, was absolutely amazing. it was savage, but it was just so gold. Yes, it was one of the best tweets I've ever seen. <laughs> but uh, let's go to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Breaking news, like an half hour before we started recording yeah chris taylor diagnosed with a left fractured forearm that that takes time that there's no like yep. set timetable they're saying two weeks or so but 
breaks or breaks. It'll be interesting. Matt Beattie gets recalled. Taylor was playing well. Uh, what's your thoughts here? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the one team that can do it is the Dodgers, and they have so many different interchangeable pieces that they probably won't suffer very much. Uh, Fantasy-wise, it probably helps uh, Kike Hernandez because he, he was about to start to lose some playing time with with Pollock back and Corey Seager back. Now probably he gets uh, a few more starts than he would have. You know, you'll probably get a, a lot of Muncie at second base, maybe some Jock Peterson back at first base. They've kind of been playing with that. So I think more than anything, it helps a few of the other fringe guys. But, uh, you know, definitely, obviously, if you are a Taylor owner, that uh, – that really sings that the sound from that hit off his wrist was nasty last night. Yeah, that was pretty darn brutal. And he was starting to get it going. So it, it's a shame it, it, it went down like that. It did. Uh, let's go to the Cardinals. This is an interesting one. Michael Walker has been a mess. We thought Adam Wainwright was going to be the one going to the bullpen at some point in time. <laughs> nope, he's actually been usable. Michael Walker goes to the bullpen. And Daniel Ponce de Leon, who made the spot start the other day, is going to get a chance to stick in this rotation. Do you have any interest in a guy like Ponce de Leon, or is this just a mess right now in St. Louis? It's funny. Uh, I, I did a, I do a Sunday night podcast with Jeff Erickson. We we're talking about Ponce de Leon, and I, you know, you look at his major league stints, and they're fantastic. You know, yep. one point nine a year this year, and he's like a two point seven guy last year. But then you look at the minor leagues, and it's a ton of walks. Uh, there's some pretty good ERAs in there, but the walks really scare me. He, had, he was four point seven walks last year in AAA, four point nine walks this year in AAA. So you know, maybe he's a guy that uh, you know has figured out how to pitch in the majors, but that you know that's really rare. So I uh, I was initially buying in and pretty excited about him, and then after I took a little closer look, I kind of. I pulled back a number of my bids that I had on him and some 12 teamers. He was gone in my 15 teamers, but uh, I was, I'm a little bit worried about, uh, about the walks more than anything. Yeah. I'm with you. Cause that's going to get these kids in trouble with the live ball, a couple walks and a home run and boom, you're, you're dead. So, yeah. It's uh, by the way, the live ball is just stupid. Yeah. It's crazy. Like part of me <laughs> is like, okay, it's fun. Cause we get offense. But then when the giants score 19 runs, I don't care if it's Coors or not. That is just stupid. Like yeah, I watched when, the, the highlights AJ- of- when AJ Pollock hits two home runs that had no business being home runs, I, I get one of them was pesky pole in Fenway, but the one he hit to left center, like over the monster, he like reached out and kind of stabbed at, and it went way over. I was like, it just it gets to not be fun. I mean, if Joey Gallo and you know those guys hit home yeah. runs, that's fine. They're not gonna they're not gonna lose any home runs or gain any home runs from this. But uh, I don't know when you, when you get home runs like that, it's just frustrating, especially if you want to you know you want to see some good pitching. It's uh it's got to be frustrating to be a pitcher right now. It's got to be the worst. It's yeah. like literally. Um, when the Red Sox tied it up last night, first Xander looks like he gets jammed on a fastball and it's on yeah. the top of the monster. Like that's a fly out in 29 other ballparks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a joke. For so sure. that's a combination of the juice ball and the ballpark. But then even JD's off of Homer after that, like it was laced, but I had thought there was no chance that was leaving the ballpark. That's yeah, there's, there's, there's been a couple balls. Like I'm like, Oh, that's a double in the gap. And you're it goes yep. like 10 feet over the fence. You got, it's just, it's uh it's a bit much, and I'm one that likes home runs. I like offense. Yep. I think it's fun, but uh, I think that, I think it just uh, tipped a little bit too far this year. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about it more when we talk second half strategy. But it really take into like next season. How do we evaluate this? Because two years ago we thought juice ball, and then they changed him back on us, and we didn't know that. So you you kind of draft differently, and I guess it's it's an even playing field in the end, end of the story. But now you know going into next year. Do you wait Max Scherzer as a potential like one, two, or three pick like after Trout? You know, like, like there's so many weird dynamics now because of what we're seeing. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's going to be All interesting. Right. I, 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 I say we'll hit it in second half strategy. We can go forward. Yeah, Cincinnati Reds, Jesse Winker. This one's kind of scary. Like he's not having the year we all hoped he would have, but he leaves with tightness in his side. Sounds kind of like oblique related. No news has come out today. But but not ideal for the kid that's trying to get it going. Um, any any thoughts on Winker? If you're a Winker owner or anything like that? Yeah, just frustrating because he had seven right-handers this week, and they've been pretty much strictly platooning him, which has been frustrating as it is. I don't think he has a start against a lefty in like a month and a half or something like that. Uh, but overall, he was a target for me. He's a guy that I really liked. I liked how hard he hit the ball. I liked kind of a, the, the breakout coming in. And you know, he has 13 home runs, but he's hitting 260. He has 29 RBIs. I mean, that's just that just hurts if you have him in your lineup every week. Hard hit rate still good, only eleven barrels on the air, so you know not really, uh, not really uh, zoning everything up as as well as I thought he would. Just been a frustrating guy, and I keep waiting for that breakout. Now he has something in his side or is oblique, like you said. They uh, they're doing some testing later today, but uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty down on Winker right now. It's uh, I've been a guy that I've been kind of waiting for for that hot streak. I was you know I figured the the summer in Cincinnati in that ballpark would do it, but uh, I'm a less op- I'm less optimistic than I was say a month ago. Yeah, no doubt about it. Really, really stinks there. He's more of a DFS play these days than a season long play. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Toronto. It's kind of surprising. Everyone's favorite at one point in the season, Rowdy Telez, even had a couple double home run games here and there. 
He gets optioned to the minors, which was kind of surprising from the Blue Jays. Justin Smoke hasn't really not gotten it going at all. He looks to get some regular playing time again. Is there any interest in maybe giving a Smoke a chance here on the stretch run? Uh, there is a, a big interest for me. If uh, if Smoke is available in your league, I would I would grab him. I think this is going to be uh, a. They're going to try and showcase him for a trade. I think that's part of the reason they sent uh, Teles down, but. Uh, I like a lot of what I see with Smoke. I know that the production has not been there. You know, the Babbitt is 219, which is just killing him so far. But uh, the strikeout range, strikeout rate's down in the range where it was in his 2017 breakout, which is kind of the big thing he did that year, was just he struck out way less than he did. He's down around 19.5%, which is kind of where he was in 2017. So that's a, that's a really good sign. Um, hitting the ball hard, career-high hard hit rate of 43.8%. The walk rate's up to 16%. There's a lot of good stuff here. I just hope it doesn't get buried. You know, the fact that the average is so low, he's been struggling. I hope he doesn't get uh, you know buried on the bench platooning or something like that but i think that uh these two weeks are obviously huge for him if he can kind of break out a little bit he might get traded to a good spot which would be really good uh, my concern would be he'd be traded somewhere where he doesn't play every day which would be bad for fantasy wise but uh yeah i think uh i think i'm buying in on the last uh, 10 weeks of justin smoke this year yeah i'm with you i was i was all over him a few weeks like a month or so ago he went on his hot streak maybe he looked smart and then he went cold again and they stopped <laughs> playing him every day which is really weird to me yeah but you look at all his, his x stats and everything on Statcast, uh, baseball savant and it points to really, really good regression coming his way. At least should it be. It, yeah. It's not always the end all be all. Like it doesn't work for everybody, but more often than not, there's something to it. And um, yeah, like I'm with you there. There's a lot to like about Justin Smoke, and it's crazy how low owned he is. So he should be out there actually in a lot of wires, especially in 12 team and below. So give him a look. Yep. All right, Baltimore Orioles. I'm pretty sure I know the answer here, so this might not <laughs> be too long. But uh, Dylan Bundy goes on the 10 day IL. Uh, he gives up a lot of home runs. But he shows upside. He really does. Not really. But what's your thoughts on uh, Dylan Bundy? Uh, my only thoughts, my only interest would be if he were to get traded someplace good, I might take a look. But in Baltimore, I want uh, no part in any way. Yeah, with you 100% there. Uh, Carlos Correa and Aledemus Diaz are starting the rehab assignments. Might be back towards the end of this week. Big boost for the Houston Astros, especially when it comes to Correa, who seemed to be getting things right. Had a random, weird session at a <laughs> massage. I'm just going to leave that one there. But, yeah. Um, yeah, he should be back, hopefully healed up. Altuve starting to swing it again. Springer's back. What do you like, – do you think Correa – is it just been injuries this whole time or is there, is there more to it? Do you believe he's the guy we saw a few years ago or are we kind of getting this kind of lower-tier guy he's overperformed a few years back? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to figure out. Every year I kind of think that this is the year on, on Correa. And, you know, aside from that, uh, we had that the great rookie year, and then he was pretty good the year after. And then, you know, good average in 2017, but still only 24 home runs, although that was, uh, you know, he had, a, he had an injury there too. I, I think most of it's injury-related. I think we're going to see some really good prime Carlos Correa years. He's only 24, which you got to keep in mind. This is his fifth year in the majors, 24. It's pretty incredible. So I, I think we're going to get some good years. It's just uh, he's got to avoid that injury bug and, you know, getting hurt cracking a rib in the massage i mean it's just so impossible to even think about but um yeah i think we're gonna get some good years uh i think they're coming soon i'm pretty optimistic i don't know about the second half with you know how healthy he's gonna be but uh, he's someone that i'll be buying in next year hopefully at a discounted price yeah i'm with you i was on him again this year i was happy and then he got hurt and it just we'll see how the second the second half goes for him but the talent just seems so good and yeah. even like the hard hit rates and all that stuff he's it's so good and uh, you're just waiting for it to happen um, New York Yankees, Giancarlo Stan, the, the news just gets worse and worse every time I see a new <laughs> article on him. Like, I think I've talked about it a million times on the show, but every time there's a new piece of news. Now they'd be shocked if he's back early August. They're thinking mid to end of August. You start getting to that point in your season and you're holding this dead weight. I know it's Giancarlo Stanton, but are you potentially dropping him, like, say, in an FBC with no IL spots? It's, uh, it's really tough. It's crazy. The guy's played nine games this year. That's insane. He's like a late first round pick to some people. Yeah. Um, it's uh, in, in a 10 or 12 teamer. I think that I'm dropping him based on this news. It sounds crazy and horrible, but um, you know, I think the percentage chance that he comes back and, and fully rakes are pretty low. He was, you know, he's striking out, striking out a lot in his, in his small sample this year, striking a lot last year in his first year, of the Yankees. Um, so I think that that makes it so the upside's not quite as high. And I think in a 15 teamer, I'm still holding him. The replacement value is so low in a, in a format like that that I think that, you know, five, even five weeks of Stanton, you know, you probably get four weeks. He's not going to play the last week, especially the Yankees clinch. But I think four or five weeks of Stanton now is still worth it in 15-teamer. But if I get one more setback or bad piece of news, then it becomes a drop for me in a deeper format. Yeah, that's it's weird right now. Like, I dropped Cookie Carrasco the other day. We know why yeah. that whole situation goes. That wasn't easy, and that seemed a lot easier to do than Stanton. And then, um, you know, he has like Luis Severino. Now there's reports he might come back, but in a bullpen role, 
well, if that's the case, hard to hold on to Luis Severino any longer. Um, it just gets harder and harder with these guys. We Stanton, yeah, I, I'm glad I, I dodged that bullet. I know there's some people that were in love with him for obvious reasons, but it's gotten to the point, I hate using the term injury prone, but it's starting to feel a little prone. It, it's getting it's getting tough there with Stanton, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Like you said, it's tough to, tough to hold on to him. It uh, it is, and we had uh, we had Tyler Glass now today too. That had some. Uh, he's not going to throw for two more weeks, and they, now they're talking about they're, they're not sure if he's going to pitch again this year. I dropped him when the when the the first setback came out. I told myself I was going to hold him until one setback. I dropped him, and out another one. It's not even really a setback. Just they're just being uber cautious. They're holding off two more weeks. I just don't think you see him in a in a fantasy role this year. That's going to help your team. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's a fantasy role because he'll come back, especially yeah. if they're in the playoff run. He might get you know opener stuff, stuff like that because his arm is valuable. But yeah, the for fact sure. that it's valuable is why they want to save it. So yep. it makes 100% sense. That's why, like I told guys a few weeks ago, Rich Hill, he's not coming back anything fantasy for you. He, they're going to baby him till the sun goes down. Uh, they want him for the stretch run. So good, good. No, I missed the glass down there. So good, good call there because that's that sucks. He was pitching so well. It does. He was, he was awesome the first six weeks. Yeah, man, outstanding stuff. Um, all right, speaking of the Rays, um, Alvarado. Going on the IL with an oblique injury finally gave me the excuse I needed to drop him. That you was uh, you and me both. I was I was playing that sad <laughs> sad tale every Sunday night, so <laughs> it was it was tough. But uh, you got Diego, Diego Castillo's back. You got Emilio Pagan, Colin Posh, uh, lots of options there in Tampa Bay. It's going to be committee based most likely. But how do you how are you approaching the situation in fantasy? Yeah, not only a lot of options, but a team that's willing to kind of use and mix and match those options. Um, I think the only guy that I'm really interested in right now is Emilio Pagan, uh, 1.7 ERA so far this year with 12 strikeouts per nine. He's just been really good. Um, I don't think he's that good, but he's been really good, and that's obviously really important with a, with a closer. I mean, you, you want a team that has a has confidence in the closer. I think they have the most confidence in Pagan right now. Uh, Castillo just scares me a little bit with the walks. He's a good, you know, he, he has nasty stuff, but, you know, over four walks per nine, I just hate that of a closer. I hate watching a closer. I flip it on, he walks the first guy. I just want to turn it back off right after that. Um, Posh has looked good, but, uh, you know, doesn't really feel like a closer to me. I think if I had to go with somebody, I'd go with Pagan. I actually dropped him in one league this week. He was my he was my fifth closer, so uh, I just didn't trust the situation. But I think if I'm going with someone, it's him. Uh, that would be my lean right now. But I just don't love the situation as a whole. And I certainly think Alvarado is a, a drop and not, not usable the rest of the year. Yep, I'm with you there. He's sadly gone. Yeah. Um, a little fun nugget here, and we'll see if it pans out to anything, but the Royals have nothing to lose by playing Bubba Starwood. They finally called him up. He was a top five pick in 2011. That was not a mispronunciation. 11. Um, <laughs> there's only a couple more players from that first round that have not made it. And one, one actually, it's a whole other story, is Danny Holtzson, who's getting a second chance, like in the Cubs system right now. But um, Bubba Starwood's getting the chance. He's a little power speed this year. Hit over 300 in the minors. Any interest in a guy like Bubba Starling? Like, I grabbed him for a buck in TGFBI just to, to get him and see what happens. I need steals badly, but could be a waste. What's your thoughts on Bubba? Yeah, I bid on him in the in the main event and I, I NFBC, and I got uh, I tied. I had a three dollar bid. I lost him to another three dollar bid. So uh, mild interest, in, and like you said, I think your your point at the beginning was the, it was the most important. The Royals have nothing to lose. They have no reason not to throw him out there for a couple of months. I mean, they probably want to see what they have to see if this is a guy they're going to keep in their system or kind of move on. It's been you know eight years since he was drafted, but you know he had some injuries. He didn't play. Uh, he played what uh, like twenty games in twenty eighteen, only eighty in twenty seventeen. Uh, some ugly averages in the minors. Some uh, some not so good stuff, but. Uh, I don't know, seven home runs and nine stolen bases so far this year. I don't think we can really trust AAA numbers right now. They're so inflated on offense and obviously bad on the pitching side that, uh, you know, I, I tend to kind of throw some of those out or at least discount them. But, yeah, I think he's worth a shot just strictly on a playing time thing. So a deeper league, an AL only league, like you said, uh, that kind of thing would uh, would be pretty solid for him. And, you know, you might as well see what you can get. Obviously, there's a there's a little bit of pedigree. It's been a long time. But, uh, you know, someone's going to get every day at bats for a little bit. I think I'm always interested in it, especially a guy that might steal, uh, you know, might steal five or six bags. Yep, five or six bags could help a ton. As oh, yeah. the second half goes on. That can go a long, long way. So that was kind of my thought process because your good old co-host in League 2 and TGFBI, he got me on Malik Smith during Fabigan. That one's, <laughs> I got, I, he, he got me by like 20 bucks. I didn't think he'd go that high. And I, I need steals so badly. I'm really mad at myself for that one right about now. But uh, yeah, the Malik Smith entry in Fabigan was really sneaky because you had all yeah. those rookies and all those guys, and Malik's had just gotten called back up. I grabbed him in in one spot that weekend too. He was uh, he has 11 stolen bases since yeah. June 1st. One of only three guys with double digit steals. Uh, Yelich and Elvis Anders are the two others. But uh, yeah, he was really sneaky that week because everybody was so excited about the other five guys. Yeah, that's why I, I thought I could sneak through without getting too crazy on the pricing. And now uh, Jeff, of course, got me there. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. So, um, Damn, Erickson's always messing stuff up. Yeah, I wish I had a good pun for him, but I don't. Um, <laughs> last question. Thank God for that. <laughs> sometimes they're good. Sometimes when I'm driving, I just want to like bang the steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I but, feel you there. <laughs> but uh, last question, I have to ask an A's question here. Sure. Um, I, I know we've talked about it before, and I've seen your responses on Twitter, so I, I kind of know your, your thoughts here, but I wanted to talk about them. With Blake Trinan and the mess that is Blake Trinan right now and how great Liam Hendricks is pitching, are you on board with the idea that it's just Liam's job now for the rest of the year, or do you think there's a chance that Blake gets it back? When he went on the DL, I, I really wasn't. I thought that, uh, you know, Trinan was so obviously amazing last year, the ERA under one, that I thought that a healthy Trinan would still get one more chance. But when, when Bob Melvin came out and pretty much said Hendricks has earned it as his job right now, uh, you know, that, 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 that come out, he came out and said that publicly meant a lot. And I think it meant a lot to Hendricks. And I think Trinan, I mean, every time he pitches, he just pitches badly. He came off the mound. He did an interview with Susan Slusser after this last time talking about how, how frustrated he was and how, you know, he just couldn't, uh, can't spot stuff. And, it's just, uh, it's really weird to see him struggle so much. I mean, the, the walk rate is crazy. It's 5.7 walks per nine. And you watch him and it just, the stuff is still there and you can, everything moves down and hard, but he just has no idea where it's going right now. I think it would take, um, you know, multiple blown saves from Hendricks. And I would say multiple. I mean, like, you know, probably three or four of them and, and, and trying to really look like himself to get it back. I think that Trinan's accepted this is his role right now. And, and I think he's okay with it and wants to, you know, do what he can to kind of get back to where he is. Um, I think it's uh, at least Hendricks until maybe uh, September 1st. And maybe we see something shift then, but um, I think it's a full go, full go with Hendricks right now, which is different than I thought two weeks ago. That is great to hear. Great to hear indeed. Shame to hear for Trinan owners, but um, yes. yeah, Hendricks has been so good. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, and, crazy and, good. And, and throwing harder and looking good. And, he, and he, he, you know, sometimes you get you guys thrown in that role and they have a few hiccups before they really get, get comfortable. And he's just, he's just nothing but jump right in and be great. Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk to you about why I had you on the show today is second half strategy. And I, I heard you guys kind of talk about the last few weeks on your Sunday night show. And I really wanted to talk to you about it because you're a very experienced NFBC player. And that's where the, the biggest of the big go and play. Uh, it, it's a, quite the platform. And a lot of people as football comes into play, you'll get some of your leagues that like, people are out of it. They kind of disappear. Or some people just have the mindset, you know, I'm in seventh place. There's no way I can make up ground. And we already talked about how five or six steals goes a long way, so on and so forth. When, when you're approaching the second half, and I, I've heard your stories about how you, you know, jumped back and, and, and won leagues and you almost lost leagues and stuff, um, how do you approach the second half to try to, like, make up ground or hold ground? Like, what's your, what's your strategy going forward? I mean, I think the first thing and kind of an over overarching thing is that, you know, no lead is safe is, is important to know. I mean, you see, you think like, oh, at the All-Star break, we're almost there. We still have two and a half months of the season. That's almost a half season of stats. And you think about how much movement there still is. I mean, I like you said, I, I've had leagues where I was up 30 points uh, two years ago on Lindy Hinkleman, who's one of the best NFBC players. And I was up 30 points on August 1st, and I was down 20 going to the last week of the season. That's a 50-point swing. And granted, I had some injuries here and there, but it just it, stuff can happen. You can get hot. Guys, uh, you know, if you've got someone like Jose Ramirez and starts hitting like a first rounder, you know, teams are going to totally change. So what I like to do is I take a, I take a really fresh approach on my team uh, at the all-star break. And I look at a, um, you know, where I am in the standings and not, you know, do I have two points and saves, but can't, where can I gain? Where can I drop? So I look at every, every spot and I kind of figure out a, a near term upside. So say I have 80 points in the league. I'll look and see like in the next month, you know, what can I get to? What do I need to focus on? It kind of gives me a, a small goal. Cause if you're 30 points back in the league, you're like, Oh, this sucks. I'm going to look at football. But you know, if suddenly if you gain 15 points in a month, you're like, Oh, this is gonna be a fun final six weeks. So I really take, I take a look at kind of a short term gain rather than looking like, Oh my God, I need 38 home runs to really move. But you know, if you know that two home runs helps you here and two small bases help you here and a, you know, a couple of good starts, you suddenly start to get some momentum and it's crazy and fancy how it shouldn't work this way, but you get some momentum in it and you kind of get going and you're more into it. You make better moves, you make better lineup decisions. So I look at it that way, but also I look at my team, you know, we're at the point now of the season where just because you drafted someone in the eighth round doesn't mean you have to play them every week. I get that the first couple months of the season, you're trying to really play your guys and play who you like in the beginning, but I get, I get sometimes stuck on guys where I'm just, I just automatically slot them in a week and I really shouldn't. There's, there's players that, you know, someone like Miguel Cabrera, you know, if you're good and average, you're bad in power. He has five home runs. And, you know, it's Miguel Cabrera. You're like, oh, he's playing my first baseman. But you got to look at that and, and kind of see that at this point in the season, you got you to focus on what categories you need, but also not get stuck on names more than anything. Yeah, no, that's that's a very good point because people have that tendency, like even in the Giancarlo Stanton, I can't yeah. drop him because I took him, you know, 15th, 16th overall. Can't do it. So that that's a fine line that you have to make um, with pitchers and hitters. I, I think that's a really good point. You, you talked about, you know, you're doing well on average, but you need homers. 
how much it, is your fabbing based on your categories? And like when you, when you look at it, you know, you're, you're third in home runs, you're seventh in RBIs, but you know, you can gain three points in RBIs by getting 10 RBIs, but to, you know, gain a point in homers, you need like 15 homers or something. It, it, it varies when you're approaching the fab market week to week. Cause this season, especially money is so depleted and almost everybody in the league for fab. How do you approach it? Is it like the next cool thing? Or are you getting really sneaky on, Hey, this guy, you know, he's going to play seven games this week. Great environment. I need the RBIs. Like, is there more of a focus on one than the other type thing? Yeah, I think Fab now. You know, Fab in April and May is I'm looking for guys that are that are big hits. They're going to help me the rest of the season. They're going to be, you know, breakout guys. Like I think in Fab now, I'm looking at the next one or two weeks. I'm looking at who's who's playing where, who's doing well, who's getting playing time. Uh, this time of year, I think the trade deadline is really important. You know, you've got uh, trades are going to happen in two weeks, but you want to be able to pick up those guys before stuff happens. Uh, you know, guys like Aaron Bummer, guys like uh, you know Reyes Maranta and San Francisco. Think guys that you think might fall into closing roles guys you think might fall into starting rotation roles on trades it's good to grab them now for one or two bucks because they ain't gonna be one or two bucks after the trade so i think that's really important but in fab i think you got like you like i said you just got to really focus on the next two or three weeks with everybody now you're not looking for big home runs you're not looking for guys they're gonna hit 40 home runs on a stretch you're looking for guys that are gonna like we said steal five or six bags or are going into cores this week you know jeff and i talked last night about adding mike Yastrzemski. huge game today um and FB, in nfbc you can play half weeks too so you know if you can get a guy that's uh you know, facing four righties or four lefties, however the platoon works in a half week. Um, I think I, I my my fab focus just gets a lot more short term than it did uh, in April and May. No, that that that's a good point because people still like to see the shiny new toys. Like before yeah. he got dropped, I would have been shocked if you know Mauricio Dubon if he was still up, people would have probably spent too much money on him, and he, he's already back down in the minors. Stuff along those lines. Um, what kind of guys you know, like Carter Keboom is out there right now, and some other guys. How aggressive are you on prospects that you know might be coming up August or so compared to, like you said, you, I know you're focusing on the next two weeks, but you know there's these prospects that you can get really cheap right now. Are you, are you making a point to go look for guys like that, or are you still just focusing on the two weeks? I'm mostly focusing on the two weeks, and my problem with a guy like Keeboom is that you, you got if you, teams that are going to be contenders – I'm not super interested in their rookies coming up because they tend to come up and maybe not play every day. Uh, and it, you just can't, in fantasy-wise, no matter how good the prospect is, he's going to play three times a week or twice a week, you just can't use them. Um, and they, you know, they've shown that they're not fully ready for him to play full-time. So someone like that I'm not super interested in. If there's someone that uh, you know, maybe on, on a non-contagious team to come up and play every day, then yeah, I'll look at that. But it's, it's, for me, it's more when he comes up and I'll take a look at it. You know, is this someone that I want for the next uh, three or four weeks? And if, it's, if it is, great. If it's not, that's fine too. I, I'm, I'm much less stuck on prospect names at this point of the year than I would would be maybe earlier on we're going to get someone that's going to really contribute for five months perfect uh you mentioned it with you know the hitters looking two weeks ahead and i'm assuming the pitchers are the same are you are you as likely to be a two-star streamer like guys were early in the season like it's how many two-star guys can i get flip the last couple guys in my pitching and so on and so forth are you more focused on hey i need these ratios here and this two-star these two-star guys are going to screw me over so i'm not going to take those gambles and Stuff like that. I know it might have kind of been a little wishwashy saying that, but you know, early in the year, everyone's looking for the two start guys. Right. Now it's, are you more worried about quality over quantity? I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's strictly team dependent for me. I have uh, I have a couple teams where I need ratios, and I'll be really careful about who I pick up. But then I have a, I have an online championship team in the NFBC where I have really good ratios, and I'm really bad in wins and Ks. I've pretty much decided my last two spots in my roster every week are going to be completely streamers. I'm going to drop them. Like I picked up Mike Fires for the short week, pitch really great. I'm going to drop him back and pick up a two stepper. I need wins and strikeouts, and I've got to try and max them out to make a run. So for me, it's really team dependent on kind of what you need. And if it's nice when it lines up that way in spots where you do have good ratios and need wins and Ks, you can really be super aggressive about two steps i'm gonna i'm gonna have i'm gonna have a couple in that eight and nine spot every single week until maybe my ratios you know drop down a little bit i'll keep a watch on them but i'm gonna be super aggressive to try and gain those points and this, this is more of a season-long question but you mentioned your your eighth ninth pitcher and i've heard this philosophy a lot when you're drafting do you make it a point almost just i'm gonna take two guys late that i'm gonna stream and there's no one to flip these over and over again or are you still just drafting the best team and whatever happens happens as the season goes on I'm I'm usually drafting the best team. If you get something you know screwy like we had the we had the A's Mariner series, you can kind of uh, you know steal a good start. I might do that. Or if I have uh, you know someone's facing the Marlins week one and it's my 29th round, then I'll do it. But it has to be something extreme like that. I'm usually trying to usually trying to pick my best team there, and I, I try to get a uh, go into the season with a balanced team and not you know needing two steps or not needing two steps. And I kind of uh, I, I I'm more adjust kind of at this point of the year based on what I need. The first two months, I'm really trying to be as balanced as I can and play my best roster. Okay. 
Well, that is all valuable information. We could probably free flow on this for quite a while, but <laughs> I'd I, love I think, to. Yeah, I think I think that the moral of the story is a lot of it's just team dependent. That's pretty simple stuff there. Very much. But it's kind of focusing on the now and not worrying about kind of what it was or the, like. The biggest thing to me is, especially for for newer players, the name value thing is so hard for people to just kind of get over. Like that's a Absolutely. huge, huge part of fantasy, all sports, and um, I, I think that's the biggest thing. And with with no trades like the NFBC, it makes things really tricky. That's one thing. This is my first year playing the NFBC formats, and uh, the no trades has been the hardest part for me to uh, continue. Like your roster construction and roster management is way different. And yeah, my my uh, my first couple of years that was that was weird for me too. I ended up with some kind of unbalanced teams, and you kind of as you as you play, you you kind of you figure that out, and you realize that how important balance is. And then you figure, you know, maybe you punt a category mid season if you're just playing for your league or that kind of thing. But with overall prizes, that kind of thing, you just have to be balanced. And the only other point I'd make about the about you mentioned name value is. I think the most important thing to do right now is be aggressive with your drops. Everybody talks about ads and, you know, the next two weeks and all this kind of stuff we talk about a lot, but I think be aggressive with your drops. If guys uh, get hurt and they're out four weeks, I think they're drops. You know, you just can't wait around for, you know, maybe three weeks in September, especially with starters. You know, you don't want to wait around for, oh, you might make three starts in September because A, that never happens. And B, even if it does, what are you really missing out on? You know, that, that roster spot is too valuable, especially in league without IL spots. I think that being aggressive with your drops is really important as we get later in the season. No, that's a very, very viable point because we said it with guys like Rich Hill and Giancarlo and stuff, but even lesser guys, like you'll try to hold on to them, but oh, they're only out for you know two, maybe three weeks. Yeah. Like like Chris Taylor, for instance, I would drop Chris Taylor. Me too. But, so, but some guys are probably looking like, hey, look what he's done lately. He's been playing well. They're giving him playing time. Yeah, but by the time you get him back, what did that roster spot cost you? And the Dodgers are 150 games up in the division. Have no re- exactly. no reason no reason to push anybody. And all those guys are going to sit multiple games the last two weeks of the season. Yeah, so very very valuable information there about just the ad drops, the the going for your stuff along those lines. It's, it's really really important stuff there. All right, let's talk some fab. Let's get fabby. It's been kind of slow the last few weeks, as you'd expect, as this part yeah. of the season it gets more kind of you know one game one dollar two dollar bids, a couple big guys. The highest guy in my league, and we'll kind of go back and forth between TGFBI and whatnot, is Andrew Kashner went for $33 in my league, <laughs> and we just got done talking about him. So that one, the runner-up bid was a dollar. Tells you everything you need to know there. And then Francisco Mejia was available. Garrett Cooper went for 23 bucks. I think that was a good one. Me too. Uh, to be, to be sitting. Of course, of course, it went to Kyle uh, Kenneth Lee, the guy that's just running away with our league. He, he gets Garrett Cooper. I thought, um, I thought he was only a hockey guy. Yeah, so did I. So did I. <laughs> I, I remember when, when we got our our, um, our marching orders, basically, our league, I, I went through. I'm like, okay, I know Jeff. I know Dalton and all these other guys. I know Colin. I'm like, Kenneth Lee, okay, Guru Delete, check him out. Oh, he's, he's a big big hockey guy. Cool. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> not so much. Uh, but the next big guy was Tyler O'Neill. Went for 21 bucks, runner-up bid of $4. Um, dropped for Jacob Junis, who's a two-stepper this week, so that was kind of interesting. But um, – Tyler O'Neill's getting the regular playing time. Marcelo Zuna, the latest reports, he still can't even, like, feel everything in his hands. He can't even grip a bat yet. So he's getting setback after setback. What's your thoughts on Tyler O'Neill? I know Jose Martinez is getting playing time, but O'Neill looks like he's trying to take advantage of this. Yeah, every time I, I, I look at Tyler O'Neill or he gets called up or starts to get playing time, uh, I get really excited. Then I look at his stats and I get less excited. Um, he's got a 43.5% strikeout rate so far this year after a 40% last year. The power is huge. You know, he obviously looks good. Everybody likes how gigantic he is and all that. I think he might be a guy that just might be sexier than he actually is for fantasy purposes. Yeah, I, I haven't been able to buy him. I don't think I've ever bid on him personally. So it's not one of my guys. But uh, I guess if people see the people see the muscles, they see the speed, yeah. and they have hope. I uh, I grabbed him uh, really cheap in a couple spots last week for like three bucks where I needed power. But uh Every time I get excited about it, then he, then he sits for a couple of days and they still they still seem like they want to play Bader and Fowler and uh, Jose Martinez. So, yeah, I just uh, – I'd like to see him get full-time at-bats and see what we actually get. Obviously, some huge uh, home run numbers in the minors. But uh, if he's going to strike out that much, it's going to be really tough for him not to hit about 240. No doubt about it. The last double-digit uh, fab bid went to Allen of the fantasy fix as well. He had three of the top six. He got Eliezer Hernandez for $17. No runner-up bid. Seemed a little steep for me, but Eliezer has been decent in that rotation, but uh, nothing too crazy. Do you have any um, any double-digit uh, fab guys in your leagues that kind of stood out to you? Because I don't have much in mind. 
It's funny that you mentioned Hernandez. I looked at him because he was available in my leagues, but he his last three outings have been have been in relief. So I was kind of thinking he might uh, be on the outs, outskirts of that rotation right now. Yeah, I was confused by that one. Like I know he's been good. He's looked good, but I think they're going to baby him to the finish line. So that one kind of surprised me. Yeah, my league was uh, was very quiet. The last uh, I'm looking scrolling down with the last four weeks, we've had at least one guy over a hundred bucks. Uh, this week, the high bid was eighteen dollars. It was a really Ooh. quiet week. I only had, we only had six teams that bid in my league, so I don't know if teams are uh, you know in a league where you have no entry fee or starting to just kind of not pay attention. They're moving to football, or maybe just a quiet free agent week. Uh, there are only two bids of that backup bids. The, the biggest one in mine was a. Uh, was Jalen Beeks getting uh, called back up for the uh, the Rays? So that was a pretty nice ad. Um, then Mark Canna got added for eleven bucks. Uh, you know, kind of falling in some playing time with some injuries there. But uh, the interesting one to me in my league was actually Dakota Hudson was available. Really, he was he was like ninety seven percent owned in the in the TGFBI before that. Uh, he got picked up for ten. My backup bid was eight bucks. Uh, I don't love him, but it was enough that in a, in a twelve teamer, I was mildly interested. But then I, you know, you look and not a lot of strikeouts and a ton of walks. Every time I look at him, he looks kind of good. And then. I look at the uh, the metrics and stuff, and I, I get less interested. Big ground ball guy. Big yes. ground ball guy. That's what he does. He scares me. Like, I look at him at DFS. He's always cheap, good matchup. I'm like, he strikes no one out. This yep. is terrifying me. <laughs> it really does. But in a league like this, if you're looking for ratios or something, he's not the worst. Like, he gets the job done. Just not going to help you in the strikeout department. It's funny you mentioned Jalen Beeks. He was the one that was dropped for Andrew Kashner. So I can't wait to see what the bids are next week in that one. But, yeah, it uh, might, might depend how he pitches this week. But uh, we, I, I've talked about a bunch. I mean, the Rays are just so deep. They they, yeah. they send Brandon McKay back down. And just they have so many options. It's, it's crazy how well built they they put that team together. Yeah, the, the Rays are holding me hostage because I have to hold on to Brendan McKay now. Just like I had to hold on to Nate Lowe because yep. I know they're coming back and I'm not letting them go. Like We just, we just talked about knowing we're in the drop, guys. To me, that's a different story. <laughs> like That's what I'm holding on to. <laughs> But um, well, at least at least Nate Lowe, Nate Lowe paid off the hold in, in one week by himself. Ooh, one week by himself. Like, yeah, that was AL Player of the Week was announced today. Pretty wow. crazy. That's pretty awesome. Uh, pretty darn awesome. Uh, Heimer Candelario uh, was added in our league. I know he's been really hot since coming up from the minors. Got him for four bucks, close to runner up bid was a dollar. Uh, you have any uh, early impressions from this kind of second chance for Candelario since he's come back up? Uh, I looked at him in a, in a bunch of my leagues this week, and I don't know. I just uh, kind of the same. I just I think he's a batting average risk. You know, he's come back and hit well. I think he has four home runs in thirteen games. He got called back up, but I mean, the guy played all year last year and hit two twenty four. And you know, you look at it, and there's nothing that makes you think that it's it's suddenly going to bounce back. Uh, the hard hit rate's decent, but nothing that uh, you know makes me want to grab him and hold on to him. It's uh, it, it's a uh, it's a ride the hot street kind of guy, but be ready to jump off once it gets cold. Yep, I can see that for sure. Last guy I'm going to ask you about, and if you have anybody, fire away. But um, AJ Reed, AJ Reed came up uh, for the White Sox, came over from the Astros. I think they're going to give him playing time. The fact they acquired him, brought him up right away. He got he went for a dollar, no runner up bid. We know the pedigree is there. It just hasn't come through yet. Do you have any thoughts on AJ Reed? I do. I like that bit. I think he kind of falls in the in the Bubba Starling realm of you know prospects that uh, are suddenly going to fall in some playing time, and that's that's really valuable, important. He got hit, got hit twenty eight home runs last year with AAA in the Astros, and had twelve home runs this year. I think that uh, you know it, it's worth a shot. I wouldn't bid a lot because I think he's going to be a bit of a, a batting average drain, a lot of strikeouts, but uh, you know not massive strikeouts, not like some of the guys we've talked about earlier, but. Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think in a, hitting in a good park in a place where it, when it gets warm in the summer, the ball's going to fly out of there. I think he's uh, I think he's a worthwhile stab right now to see if the, if the White Sox give him every day at bats. Cool, cool. Anybody else on your list, or are you good? I do a couple guys. Uh, you're a Giants fan. I picked up I picked up Brandon Belt for five bucks in the TGFBI. Uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of Coors Field, just trying to play that. But uh, you know, first base has been tough for me in 15 teamers. My main event team has struggled at first base. Uh, Jock Peterson got eligibility recently, which helps a little bit. But uh, how do you feel about Belt for the last uh, last 10 weeks of the season? I know you're the Giants fan in the room. I've always been a diehard Belt fan. I've always been the guy to stand there and pound. Pound the table saying if he played in almost any other ballpark, he'd be like a 25-plus home run guy. The, the tools are very, very good with Brandon Belt. And the fact you got him this week, um, four games in Coors to start the week, yep. and, then, and then just more good stuff from him. They're leading off with him. Uh, I know he went deep in Milwaukee, I believe, yesterday. Um, I think there's a lot to like with Belt. As long as he, the concussions stay away and he stays healthy, the OBP leagues is huge. Um, there, there's a lot to like with Brandon, but I think five bucks is a, is a good stab in the dark there. 
Yeah, and they have eight games this week, and seven of those against righties. So, so I, I really like that. And then next week they get the Padres and the Pirates. So it kind of it kind of lined up that he just happened to see a, a bunch of righties coming up. And in Coors Field, I I thought he's worth a stab. The other guy I wanted to ask you about, uh, I picked up Adam Jones there, and I just I just kind of needed a uh, kind of a bench bat that uh, you know maybe I could use if I needed to. Do you you got anything? You got, he's got anything left in the tank for the for the, for the second half. I, I I would say yes. Uh, he's kind of fizzled off after that red hot start. But yeah. the one thing you know you're going to get is you're going to get him playing every day for the D-backs. He's going to be hitting in the middle of that order, especially with David Peralta out, so that they need him out in the field because technically they're one of like the 25 teams that's still in the wild card race. Um, and I think there's going to be production there, especially in an NL West where it's a lefty-heavy division. So there's going to be certain weeks where you're going to get three, four, five lefties at times that Adam Jones will be facing. So I think there's definitely something to like there because when he's not facing those lefties, it's a lot of bad pitching as well. Uh, you get a couple of core stretches in there. You might have got him early before that. So, yeah, I don't mind that at all. He's not the guy he once was, but he's had some hot stretches this year. And you know Adam Jones can be quite streaky at times. So I don't hate that at all. Yeah, and the other guy I added in TGFBI for two bucks is probably my favorite uh, spec closer right now is Aaron Bummer. Uh, I think yeah. uh, I think Colomay might get traded, but I think the sneaky part about Colomay that uh, I'm a little worried about his production right now is his strikeouts are so far off where they were, and the, the ERA is kind of hiding it. He has a 130 bat up on the, on the, on the season. Wow, that's not sustainable, kids. <laughs> no, and he's uh, <laughs> the strikeout rate was nine and a half last year. It's down to six point nine. I mean, that's just a. Really? a I, I get numbers go up and down, but that's enough of a sizable drop mm-hmm. that uh, I, I'm worried from a a a trade perspective, but b also a performance perspective. I think I think Aaron Bummer closes for the White Sox at some point this year. Uh, call him a trade or not. I think that's a great move. I was looking for him. He was gone in like all my leagues, so that that's a real good. I would have picked him up over Diego Castillo, Colin Posh. It'd be Leo Pagan even. I would have gone for Bummer. I think maybe not Pagan, but Pagan was not available for me as well. Right. But I think Bummer's a very good ad. I think he's got a lot to lot to like there. Um, I, I got a question for you since we're talking speculative closers. I yeah. added him a couple weeks. I think it was before the All-Star break. Michael Lorenzen has had shots at closing. Do you think there's a chance that he kind of takes over a role there? Because Iglesias could get traded. Otherwise, they're using him in the seventh or eighth. What's your thoughts on Lorenzen as a potential back-end guy? Yeah, I, I like the ad there, too. I think that, uh, you know, Glacey's kind of felt like he's righted the ship a little bit recently. He kind of had that moment there where you thought he was going to lose the job and then um, kind of back into it. I just – I don't know what the Reds are going to do. You know, they're in that division where, you know, a few games separates first and last. It's pretty wild overall. They're still kind of in that mix. I think the next the next two weeks are pretty big to be – if they're going to be sellers or buyers. But if they turn into sellers, you got to think that Glacey's going to be a pretty uh, pretty big uh, chip on the market if, uh, if people are looking for closers. Yeah, the fact that there are reports that they're, they're buyers kind of made me laugh. But yeah, me too. It's the Reds doing Reds things. Um, Dakota Hudson got the save over the weekend because uh, Ken Giles, another massage accident, had nerve damage in his arm. Um, Dakota Hudson was gone in my league. Not sure if he went in yours, but it looks like that's the guy for those keeping track at home. Yeah, I uh, I grabbed him uh, the week before. I'm kind of speculating on a Giles trade at some point. There was that like there was like a half an hour in there where Giles wasn't warming up. That everybody thought that uh, maybe he got traded. And I was I was thinking that I that I fell into Hudson really nicely. But the thing with Hudson is just been really good lately. Since June first, he's been lights out. I think the ERA is like one point two something like that. Without looking it up, uh, eighteen strikeouts in fifteen innings or something like that. He's been really good. It hasn't been, it doesn't look good over the season, but um, enough of the last six weeks have been good enough that I think the important part is that if Giles gets moved. Or if this inflammation is something more than we think it is, you know, nerve inflammation never sounds good. I think the key with the situation is that Hudson's the next guy up. And there's a lot of situations we don't know that's necessarily the case. And I put a lot of value into knowing who the next guy up is. Yep. That was one thing I took away from the weekend. Last question I have for you, and it's not baseball related. Uh Uh-oh. Who do you have winning the Open? Oh, that's a really good call. But uh, I'm going to go with someone who has never won a major who's uh, kind of always on the outskirts, ready to break through, and I think it's finally time that Hideki Matsuyama wins, and he's 35-1 like to one right now. I like it. I actually wrote I, – I took my notes. I'm doing my always pressing podcast after this, and I actually wrote him down as one of my favorite DK plays this week. Yep. And uh, it's just because he's so consistent. And on this course, you need to be accurate and consistent. Like, really need that. And with him, it's always putting. These greens are slow. They're undulating, but they're slow because of the possible wind, and the wind's not supposed to be there. So it helps – bad putters out quite a bit um i was gonna say what is your what is from looking at the course what is your overall general feel what kind of player is going to win this it's going to be like because literally like all the weather points to not being bad um it's just how accurate can you be and to me it's the approach game with your irons because the weird thing about this that i've 
from all the, the things I've listened to, I've listened to some Irish guys on different podcasts. Like uh, that's awesome. <laughs> nice. And, and um, they're saying the weird part about this course is you can't really get out of the rough like you can and run it up because okay. they're elevated greens. So you have to have iron play to land them on top of the green. It's, it's one of the weird differences from almost every other links course they had. So um, if you're in trouble off the tee, it's going to be rough. The fairways are undulating. So you're going to have some weird lies. But if you have a really good iron game, a la Hideki Matsuyama, yep. um, you have a very good chance of uh, scoring and making things happen. So th- this could go out the window because we haven't seen anything here in forever. But that's what, like, and like it was David Faraday and then this um, Golf Digest Irish guy that's over there. And they're on just different podcasts. And they it, it's different. The rough, it's not just standard rough. It's a bunch of fescue, but also, like, Burberry bushes and stinging nettles. Like, it's oh. nasty looking. It's not your normal rough. So it'll be interesting. I uh, I, I like that. Uh, I like that right for Hideki. I just I think the time is finally here. If you just give me a uh, give me a zero strokes gained putting uh, week, and I, I think he's got I like his chance. What's your pick? I'm torn right now. I'm on the ropes with I'm I'm leaning Patrick Cantlay right now. All right. Um, but like two longer shots, that I think can be sneaky if they're driving it okay off the tee. Patrick Reed plays really good on links golf, and he's ninety to one. And then Kevin Kisner, who played well last year at the Open. Yep. He's coming in in pretty decent form. He didn't play that well at the Irish last week, but I like the way he's been playing of late. He's won forty to one. He could be interesting. He always uh, he always seems kind of grumpy to me, though. Oh, the thing is, he's not. That's the thing is, um, the practice round, aka, um, also thanks to Scott, he uh, hooked it up with some practice round tickets to the Open. You're welcome. Uh, I'm happy, happy to help you out. Yeah. So we we walked the course all day, and then the second groups were going out in the afternoon. So we were by the putting green, Spieth and all of them were there, and Kisner was playing with them. Kisner walks out there. He still kind of smelled from the night before. But <laughs> I, like, I'm just sitting there on a ledge. We're just kind of talking to like different reporters that are coming by. He walks right up, starts dapping it up, asks how we're doing. He's happy as can be. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, that's good. I, yeah, he was awesome. I was like, wow, where'd that come from? Totally. like We weren't even yelling at him or anything. He just walked right over and started talking to us. Because he always, <laughs> he always has that look where he looks unhappy on the course. Yeah, because well, I listened to some, once I that little interaction, I looked up a couple of interviews he's had. He's very, um, I guess, he tilts easily. Okay. That's that's the best way I could put it is. Right. And, and he doesn't like the U.S. Open. He doesn't like the USGA. He hates okay. how they ruin good golf courses. Right. So he's a chip-on-the-shoulder type guy. Interesting. All right. Yeah. What uh, do you put? How much stock do you put into, like, Rory and Graham McDowell having played the course 400 million times? I think there's going to be a lot to like about that. But then what, like, Faraday and these guys were saying is they've even changed it in the last year that these guys have uh, Okay. Seen. All right. And they're really concerned. That kind of surprised me. They're concerned with the idea of all the pressure on them to have to do all the kind of hospitality stuff and not focus on winning the major championship. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. Because there's a lot of extra stuff they're going to have to do. Like, like McDowell's like an ambassador to this thing. Rory obviously is Rory. Right. They're going to be a lot of time and put into this. It's going to be it's going to be weird. But if anybody like Rory, he's made for stuff like this. So we'll see. Regardless, it's going to be fun. I this is literally people get mad at me. This is my favorite major. I love this major. We uh, we both live on the West Coast. I love the fact that like midnight there's suddenly live golf on. Yeah, I looked at DraftKings and 10 p.m. is lock. Oh, I, that's a good us. thing. I I'm a, I'm a procrastinator. That's a good thing you told me that. <laughs> yeah, 10 p.m. lock Wednesday night, Scott. Uh, beautiful. I'm, and it, I'm I'm turning that on so I can hear the guy. Uh, I can hear the guy introduce the golfers. It'll be it'll be fun. I love uh, I love getting a few holes in before I go to bed. Yeah, a few before I go to bed, and then my wife, my wife makes fun of me every year because Sunday, like, I set my alarm to, to wake up earlier than normal to watch the finals. I, uh, I wake up probably at 5 a.m. On, on open Sunday every year. Yep, yep, I'm with you there. That, <laughs> uh, it's good stuff. But as you guys can tell, I could talk to Scott all day, but I won't keep him uh, much longer. Before we wrap it up, why don't you let everybody know what you got going on at RotoWire? You mentioned the podcast. You got your Oaks Corner and where they can find you. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do a podcast with uh, Jeff Erickson every Sunday night. So if you're East Coast, that'll be Monday morning, late Sunday night. It usually goes up. That's the baseball podcast. I do write a uh, Oaks Corner article, kind of wrapping up the week. Uh, I do a lot of fab coverage, uh, talking about who to pick up on the week, talking about closers. I usually t- highlight one uh, series of the weekend, kind of the best series to watch over the weekend. That comes out uh, usually uh, Friday midday on the site at Rotowire. And then uh, Andrew Laird and I will be doing the uh, DFS uh podcast for football for rotowire every friday during the season so i'm looking forward to that i'm uh, I, I i don't love uh season-long fantasy football as much as baseball but uh, i do love dfs football so it'll be it'll be fun to talk to andrew's a really good dfs player yep looking forward to their regular check him out on twitter at scott jenstead always good stuff scott we'll do it again sometime absolutely thanks for having me on i enjoyed it 
always. Everybody, this is Benjamin Bubba, episode 189 with Scott Genestead of Roadwire. Catch you guys later.